You're listening to The Maastricht Diplomat. Welcome back, everyone, to The Maastricht Diplomat podcast. And this is a very exciting episode because this is the first episode for this academic year. This is Sherelle. If you've listened to a podcast episode from The Maastricht Diplomat, you probably recognize my voice. But this year, it might be a bit too recurrent since I will be the editor of the podcast. So you will be hearing my voice in every single intro. With me today, I have our MD alumni, Brendan Hogan. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. I mean, this is also an exciting episode, not just because it's the first one of the year, which is always exciting, but it's also the first one from the series that we're doing with Sareem, right? Exactly. And this is why Brendan has come back to us. <laughs> yeah. uh, so for this episode, it's, as you said, it's really an exciting episode, not just because it's the first of the academic year, but it's also the first episode of the Serim collaboration, Understanding Europe. What we're going to do this academic year is release a 10 episode podcast series on a monthly basis with the Center for European Research in Maastricht, Serim. It's a collaboration with the Maastricht Diplomat. So throughout these episodes, we're going to talk a lot about how Serim researches Europe. Yeah, basically how it researches Europe. And we start off by looking at what the difference between Europe and the EU is, because that often gets lost. And Serim is not only funded partially by the EU, but it does a lot of its research surrounding it. But that's also why we chose the title Understanding Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not just understanding the EU. Exactly. So a lot of the topics we're going to discuss are going to be looking at how the EU functions in the context of Europe, the continent, looking at local issues, but also international issues, or to say it in a simpler way, we chose understanding Europe because our aim through this podcast is to understand how the EU and also Europe functions. Yeah, at least better. At least, exactly. I think it's going to be too complicated, but this is what we're trying to do. And Serim does exactly that. So throughout the 10 episodes, we're going to talk to Serim experts. Um, trying to bring multiple perspectives might actually help us see how they all link together and work together on a local level, but also on an international level. And how does the EU then play as an international actor? Yeah, as you said, it's also in a way to explore the, the, the breadth of what Serim has in store and its different researchers that it it puts together in its networks and research that it organizes and funds. The next two episodes are a great example of how different it can be. So the next couple of episodes we have planned are one on the climate transition in Europe, where we have a couple of experts talking about the more social justice side of the ecological and the energy transitions. And for the third episode, we have planned a discussion talking about the subject of digital sovereignty and what those ideas of sovereignty even mean. Also part of our goal for this podcast series is to bring the research done in Serim, make it more accessible. And we do already know that there's a lot of European studies students like yourself, Brendan. But for me, for example, as an arts and culture student, it might be a bit daunting to kind of grasp how the EU works and how does your role, for example, as an international pleb fall into, into that big scheme, if I'm phrasing it right. I mean, you will hear me asking questions that are just like, you will know I'm an outsider. <laughs> <laughs> At least outsider from the European studies spectrum. Um, 
but that's partly why the the episodes are there for because I don't understand and I want to understand and um, or maybe understand better and more. So that's going to be an interesting perspective to have. Even as a European studies student and as a person who finds the EU interesting, it's just as confusing as for for an average person because there's just so much. And the EU is a big part of Europe, you know, 27 out of the 50 such countries are part of the, the EU. It's one of the biggest markets in the world. It, it regulates its own market and by effect regulates the world in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it has the paradox of not being a, a global actor in the same way that you think the US or China or Russia are, mainly because it's not a country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it is, it is floating in this weird in-between space where it's a socio-political and economic polity but not necessarily a country Mm -hmm. and um, I think that's what makes it so interesting and as you said I think our task really with this podcast is to demystify the research around it not necessarily demystify what the EU is or pedagogically explain what what Europe is Mm -hmm. rather look at the research that's already there being done and asking questions in a way as you said asking simple questions that are so what does that mean in real you know, life yeah <laughs> like how does how does this affect us exactly. you know, as an average person and uh, or as a student or mm. yeah as a worker and uh, i think it's important to ask these questions mm-hmm. but i one thing i have learned over my academic career here doing european studies is that researchers also have a difficulty because the languages mm-hmm. and not only in terms of the different languages of the different member states and how they are involved as working languages. But also the language itself that surrounds academia, mm-hmm. it's just so thick with jargon. That's true. That you have to look at it always with a, with a mini dictionary so that you know what this is talking about. Because when you're in the field talking with people who know, you don't have to explain these things. Mm-hmm. So you could you could say you know multi level governance. Yeah. What, what, what does that mean? What that, what, exactly. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, and I hope to understand this in this podcast series, especially as an arts and culture uh, student. I find it really fascinating how you can cooperate globally, or on a macro level, but on a micro level, you're so different. You talk about European culture and European identi- identity, but what is that exactly? When you go from one country to another, there's a different culture, different traditions, different t- ways of living, different lifestyles. Different languages. Exactly. So it's just, I find it fascinating how you can have a single outcome from diverse sources mm-hmm. um, and how that common outcome is implemented, but also how does it affect other actors what do you mean okay so for example we want to understand more how the eu functions globally right not just how it functions internally like eu member state towards eu member state but also the eu as a institution as a whole how does it also interact with other international actors like us china mina region or whatever so for example if i look at my country a lot of anti-corruption organizations are funded by the EU. How does that play a role in my in, in our policy making or in our implementations of policy? How does a law put and talked about on another continent affect another an entirely other continent? I'm just fascinated by mm. the um, intersections in that. So 
in this podcast series, we're not just going to look on how member states, EU member states affect each other, but how does the EU as an institution, as a whole, affect other um, international actors? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Like trying to address the complexity between, you know, Europe and it and the EU in a world that, you know, it, it's heavily globalized and what happens here matters in Brasilia, matters mm-hmm. in Shanghai. You know, it it's a big it's a big entity, mm-hmm. and you know that's also considering its member states also have a lot of them have colonial pasts. That's also something that's part of it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and looking at the the different strands that brought together the way it is functioning today, you know, between internal conflict in Europe and external i would call it external conflict through um, imperialism i think all that matters in the in the way we can look at the eu today mm-hmm. and europe today um and its relationships with uh, mena or or uh the greater world outside you know just its periphery mm-hmm. you know something that's beyond uh, how how does europe or the eu relate to sub-saharan africa for example Mm -hmm. or you know where it has obvious colonial heritage shall Mm -hmm. we say to put it very very euphemistically um uh but it has uh, you know a lot of these relationships today between for example uh portugal and angola or france uh or or belgium and the congo Mm -hmm. or france and its various colonies uh, you know they didn't exist in a vacuum either Mm -hmm. and um how does that then translate into the EU? Yeah. Right? How how do how is that either taken in or dealt with? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a good example is the CFA franc, which is the West African currency mm-hmm. that was imp- implemented during colonial era France and still is governed by a French official now under the EU, under the ECB, the European Central Bank. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's very much a colonial relationship or at least it, it came from it mm-hmm. i would argue it still is and on the other hand you have anti-corruption campaigns or um or funding of public goods mm-hmm. it's it's just um it's not it's not straightforward right you know looking at the eu as you said before we can look at it internally but it, but also externally, but also externally. Yeah. Uh, that's something we also we bring up um in the conversation with dr bossa of the difficulty of being non-eurocentric mm-hmm. if you are researching europe exactly uh, yeah. it's a very hard line to walk mm-hmm. because also it makes you think of what eurocentrism really mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. yeah it does so to summarize what we want to achieve with this podcast is to understand europe through serene by looking at the multiple complexities that interact you know, be it the climate crisis or digitalization or something else. And to look at what the difference between EU and Europe is, to look at the different scales from a local to a national to an international level, and how the EU and Europe interact with the rest of the world, but also with themselves. So in order to do this, we try to talk with people who know what they they're talking about and try to translate that into just regular speak outside of an academic way of speaking exactly so we will be interviewing experts in those fields in each episode 
and because this is the first episode of the podcast series, we want to contextualize and understand more what Serim does. And to do that, we're interviewing the co-director of Serim, Dr. Giselle Bossa, who is an associate professor in EU External Relations and Jean Monnet Chair at the Faculty of Arts and Social Sciences, aka FASOS. We will be talking with her to understand what Serim is, what it does, its different activities, lectures, Probably most of the students in Maastricht have heard of the Jean Monnet lectures, but Serim compromises more than just the lectures, and we will talk about that in details with Dr. Giselle Bosse. With the introduction out of the way, let's welcome our first interviewee for this podcast series. And we officially start the first podcast episode of the series Understanding Europe. Welcome, Dr. Giselle. It's really good to have you with us. Why don't you introduce yourself a bit and maybe the research center, Serim? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, my name is uh, Dr. Giselle Bosse, as, as you already mentioned. I'm based uh, at the Faculty of Arts and Social Sciences and together with my colleague, Professor Andrea Ott from the Faculty of Law, also here at Maastricht University. We are uh, the directors of the Center for European Research in Maastricht. I'm Associate Professor in EU External Relations and the EU's uh, relations with Eastern Europe. And already since two and a half years, I'm the co-director of CIRIM. And maybe a few words on CIRIM, the Center for European Research in Maastricht. We have been a Jean Monnet Center of Excellence for many years by now. And we are an interdisciplinary research venue founded in 2014. And what we mainly look at is a collaboration on research, but also on teaching activities with the faculties of arts and social sciences here at uh, Maastricht University and the Faculty of Law and also uh, the University College uh, Maastricht. And uh, together uh, we provide a platform for collaboration, intellectual exchange, also facilitation between uh, the participating researchers. And our main focus is on the fields of European law, uh, governance and also European history. And uh, one of the f ideas behind the center is uh, to, to bring together researchers and also, for example, in collaborative research uh, ventures. Uh, we have organized conferences. We have uh, also applied for funding uh, projects together uh, and so on and so forth. And uh, of course, to bring yeah, expertise on Europe from all the faculties at Maastricht University together. So that is what we would like uh, to do or what have we've been doing since 2014. We have seen Serim's activities around Maastricht, especially the Jean Monnet lectures, which are really prominent and well known among students, at least in our experience. We know that, for example, last year you had Commissioner Sinkavages talk about the European Green Deal at FASOS. Maybe you can also tell us what's upcoming. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe to, to just look back uh, mm -hmm. for a second. So, for example, in uh, 2014, Serim organized the first ever European presidential debate, and we brought together four of the Spitzenkandidaten on stage here in Maastricht in the run-up of the European elections in April 2014. And in 2019, the Maastricht debate, which was a public debate, 
uh, among most of the leading candidates for the European elections. And again, that was here in Maastricht, uh, live streamed to a European-wide audience in uh, April 2019. And uh, we organized this event uh, also together uh, with the city of Maastricht and the province of Limburg, and also under the umbrella of uh, Maastricht uh, working on Europe. To this, yeah, we also linked a lot of side events uh, so do involve specifically young viewers, a young audience, because the elections are so very important. And then we had this live viewing in over 30 other European universities uh, who can also could then ask questions uh, during the debate, which also uh, was quite a success. And you already mentioned it, aside from yeah, these big public events that we've organized, we have our Jean Monnet lecture series, uh, which we are very proud of uh, and which has been running for many, many years by now. Uh, and last year, for example, as you mentioned, we had uh, the European Commissioner uh, Virginius uh, Sinkia uh, commissioner for the Environment and Oceans, uh, but also the former president of the European Committee of the Regions, Karl-Heinz Lambrecht. And of course, and that's what we are very much looking forward to, is now on the 8th of November, uh, where the uh, executive vice president of the European Commission, uh, Margaret Verstager, is uh, coming here to Maastricht uh, for a Jean Monnet lecture. So that is definitely a, an event for your agendas. We also organize conferences on a regular basis where we involve colleagues from the law faculty and also from our faculty of arts and social sciences, but also colleagues from the health faculty have been involved and from UCM. So these are truly interdisciplinary events. For example, one was focusing on EU membership and also uh, covering topics on EU membership beyond the European Union. So all the questions around this. And last but not least, we organize a, together with Maastricht Working on Europe, we are running a working paper series where we invite junior and senior researchers to contribute policy-orientated research, but also the more the classic academic research articles on ongoing or relevant topics now in the European Union and in Europe at large. And we also run a book series with Paul Grave on administrative, uh, European administrative governance. So also here we try to bring together researchers from all the different faculties and to yeah, come together in interdisciplinary ventures to publish there. And of course, I could go on and on, but I will have to focus on a couple of key events. Yes. When you do say interdisciplinary, how does the research then work? Does each faculty provide a certain perspective or do researchers from across faculties work mm -hmm. together on a certain research? Both. We bring together the researchers, but then, of course, we look at issues uh, such as EU membership, uh, issues such as uh, European elections yeah, from the legal perspective, but of course also uh, from uh, this perspective of political science. So that, uh, that always works very well and uh, we give each other also feedback on research. Uh, so the PhD workshops that we also every now and so often organize, the PhD students from the different faculties come together and give each other also feedback on their projects. Uh, that is, uh, so it's a, it's a bit of both. I would say. So there are a lot of different things that the that Serum organizes and produces. I was wondering, so did you start off, did Serum start off primarily as a research institute and then branch off into all of these different 
items that it kind of become a bit of mission creep if you will <laughs> uh, that it just became a larger and larger uh, I guess forum for this kind of interdisciplinary research absolutely yes so the original idea was indeed bring together the expertise on Europe from the different faculties and then build in the first instance so that was our first Jean Monnet center with funding from the European Union uh, build the institutional structure of the center so how would it work what kind of activities could we be doing who would be involved in the activities of the center and then and and to organize this first big event uh, the European presidential debate to put Serim on the map. And then in our next Jean Monnet funded Center of Excellence, we try to then develop more activities on top of this by then established institutional structure. And that is when we saw the Maastricht debate in 2019, uh, more Jean Monnet lectures, the teaching activities that are attached, and uh, and also the conferences. And now this what will hopefully then be a third European uh, Centre for Excellence uh, would be to digitalize, uh, to bring Serim into the 21st century. This uh, podcast series that we are now recording is one of the first steps into that direction. And a direction, and we already try to live stream our lectures. Uh, we try to work on our social media presence. Also, uh, then develop yeah, more social media relevant content. And again, yeah, to which also our mission is to bring Europe closer to a younger audience, uh, which really is, is is also one of these missions uh, that Serum had uh, since the beginning in 2014. So to cycle back to something that came up a few times. What's the difference between Serim and the Chair of Excellency coming from the Jean Monnet grant? Right. Now, the EU has different funds, and one of them is a fund for centers of excellence. And the other part of the Jean Monnet funding scheme is also for so-called Jean Monnet chairs. In addition to that, you will also find Jean Monnet networks, uh, and Jean Monnet modules. And uh, what the Jean Monnet centers or the funding for Jean Monnet centers is indeed for, yeah, as, as the name says, for, for centers of research. So this is for groups of researchers. In our case, it's the law faculty and our faculty and also UCM coming together to organize activities. And that is then, depending on the activities, supported by European Union. The Jean Monnet chairs are for individual researchers and slash teachers. So the Jean Monnet chairs are, if you would like to, as a researcher, develop uh, specific teaching activities. Uh, you can ask for funding from the European Union to allow you as a single researcher to develop these activities and also to develop more re research related to uh, the specific themes. And that is all under the bigger umbrella of the Jean Monnet funding. But it can be quite confusing. Yeah, I mean, like, like everything in the EU, it's, it's quite confusing. But just to con like expound on this point, so CERIM itself is not necessarily a center of excellency, but it shares the Jean Monnet center of excellencies of the law faculty, the FASOS and... No, <laughs> no, no, we are, I mean, we as a, we were established as a yeah, center for European research yeah. and, and with the idea that or at the very beginning, it was researchers from the faculty of law and from UCM and from arts and social sciences coming together in that research center. And then we applied for funding 
the Germany funding from the European Union in order to yeah, have more money to set up the center, organize activities and uh, put ourselves on the map because it always helps if you have a little bit of money for activities. So this is how the, yeah, as you say, this, this center for, for excellence comes together. So at the moment that you receive the EU's Germany funding, you can officially call your research group, right, your research center, which already pre-existed, but at that point, you can officially call it um, the Jean Monnet Center for Excellence. Just, so this is what CEREM is. This is what that group is right now. Okay, thank you. I think now, now, now it's nice and clear. It's a lot to untangle, especially, I, know. I assume, for our listeners who, who don't yeah. have much experience with, with CEREM and, and yeah. these research institutes. Yeah. Something that comes up as a, as a question when you have a lot of focus on the EU and Europe, it's hard to distinguish what the difference between mm -hmm. the two is. Mm -hmm. So my question to you is, what is the difference between researching Europe and researching the EU? And yeah. how does CEREM figure into that? Well, our ambition is really, it's about research on Europe. And research on Europe is a much broader a field of research or it comprises a much broader field of research than if we would simply or just focus on the European Union. So research on the European Union is part of European research in Maastricht, but it's certainly not or doesn't cover the, the breadth and the depth of the research that is being done. Uh, for example, just within Faculty of Arts and Social Sciences, we have people researching the histories of the European Union, uh, people researching also political cultures in the European Union. And this is, this is also research that we would like to bring together. Uh, also, the international dimension, very important. Right? It's, we don't want to be Eurocentric. <laughs> That's exactly what we would like to move away from. And so that we incorporate research on Europe, but then in the broader context of international relations, uh, be that now in other international institutions or yeah, the global world order, but also research, you know, the EU and other uh, global actors, uh, other regional actors, for example, in the Middle East and North Africa, in, in Sub-Saharan Africa, in, in other parts of the world. So this is, broadly speaking, research on Europe and we would like to keep it as broad as this because we want to capture the all the interdisciplinary facets and all the research that comes on Europe from the different faculties because I think that also makes it unique there's a lot of research centers on the EU but this interdisciplinary element I think that makes it very very special and that makes Maastricht of course I would always say the place in Europe uh, to study and research Europe when we talk about CEREM, the first thing you see on the website is Center for European Research. And you mm -hmm. said something about not being too Eurocentric. How does that work in your specific field of research, for example? And if you can tell us more about that. Now, just one example. We now are in a, in a, in a very serious situation with regards to the European security order. Uh, probably also international liberal order with the uh, Russian uh, invasion uh, of Ukraine. And on that topic alone, one can think of many different or very important research that yeah, helps to make sense of, of what is now happening. Uh, for example, we can look at this from the political science perspective, 
what is the EU doing? Eh? How has the EU responded? But we also want to look at it from the international relations perspective. Uh, what does it mean for liberal international world order? Are we now seeing spheres of influence re-emerging and developing? Is this the end of international institutions? But then also the, the legal perspective. Of course, there's also international law. There's, there's rules of war being violated, uh, human rights violations. Uh, there's a lot to be said also about international law in this context, uh, but also about the e EU's law laws. Uh, what is happening within the European Union? Do we actually have the institutional, but also the legal conditions in place to develop a common foreign and security or common foreign policy, for example? So that is also where this, yeah, the interdisciplinary work with the colleagues from the law faculty and also from UCM and our international relations scholars brings so many different dimensions to understand what we see. And of course, not to mention the role of history, the role of culture and identity. Um, I don't know how many times, of course, we heard uh, the European family. Now Ukraine is part of the European family. Um, European values are being ch challenged. Yeah, well, what does that now all mean concretely? Right, uh, The identity of the European Union or, or history. How very important. And I think here in the West, uh, we have been rather oblivious to the histories of Central and Eastern Europe for a very, very long time. Uh, whereas their history is such an important dimension to yeah, politics and identity today. And I think that is also where our interdisciplinary research can contribute so much. And that's just one example. But if we look at other um, issues uh, could be related uh, to the internal market, to uh, financial uh, system, the financial crisis, all these issues, energy policy. Mm. There's a lot of research that we can bring together at Maastricht. But to, to prod further, I guess it's very difficult to have non-Eurocentric -Euro research mm -hmm. if you're talking about Europe. But, for mm -hmm. example, mm -hmm. what you're using with the Ukraine mm -hmm. conflict mm -hmm. and its repercussions mm -hmm. globally, mm -hmm. how do you, I guess, compromise between <laughs> researching Europe mm -hmm. and it, these effects on, on European values, etc., mm -hmm. and its global implications? I think you've put it's an interesting and it's an interesting question because we have of course research centers at Maastricht University that focus specifically also on the global south the center for migration studies for example but also other research groups so of course you want to still create an individual identity for for Sirim in comparison to other research centers at Maastricht but at the same time I mean this is something that we have been trying to do not just as Sirim but also amongst our research centers at FASOS and beyond that we try to bring our different research groups, research clusters together. So that we say, well, the, the group working on the Global South, on migration, for example, that we organize events together. So we still have our separate research centers, but that we increasingly also try to bring these dimensions together. And perhaps it is an idea, now that you mention it, now that our collaboration is mainly with the law faculty, but to also still reach out further and involve researchers that work a lot more on yeah, the issues um, outside Europe on uh, on research, uh, on regions outside the European Union uh, and, and, and so on. So we've done that partly. For example, we had a Germany lecture by Masauda Yalal, uh, the first and only woman in Afghanistan's history to run in the Afghan uh, presidential elections. So with our Germany lectures, 
we try to reach beyond Europe as, as much as possible as well. But yeah, there is always a bit of attention by being focused on European research. And of course, then, you know, how do you compare with, with other research centers here at Maastricht University? I, I think also something to add that comes to my memory, and Sherelle was involved in this, if I'm not wrong, was the, the collaborations on the MENA region. Yes. So I guess that's another way where you're looking at the broader area around Europe and taking perspectives from there into account. Absolutely. I was wondering, maybe then Sherelle can say a few words about uh, what was a very interesting series of lectures that you have organized. Well, that was one of the extracurricular activities that in the framework of CHANCE, the Jean Monnet Chair, we organized a Euro-Arab conversation lecture series. And within that series, we had researchers at FASOS, for example, Dr. Asim Dandashli gave a really interesting lecture about the LGBTQI activism in the MENA region and the EU's involvement in that. Mm -hmm. And how does that also translate into the promotion of democracy in the MENA region and why would it be beneficial for the EU in that sense. What that lecture series did was to bring into conversation the, the two sides of the spectrum in, in that realm, of course, when we talk about EU-MENA region relations, because then you're not just talking about the region, you're talking with the region at the same time. Mm -hmm. You can also watch it on YouTube, uh, <laughs> the Massachusetts University YouTube channel. All links will be in the description. So we've talked a lot about the different aspects of CEREM and also briefly mentioned the research itself. What happens with the research after it's completed? Where does it go? How is it promoted? And how is CEREM involved in that? Now, the, the, there's, of course, what, what is the classic output of an academic. So these are research articles, also the books. But of course, our function is also to put in the spotlight uh, the research that is done by our members in the various faculties. And here we also try to yeah, showcase this the, the research output that could be on European policy and governance, for example, where uh, we have colleagues publishing on the Eurozone uh, governance and European stability mechanism, for example, and accountability. We also have people writing on regulating lobbying activities in the European Union or the Brexit negotiations. So it's also very, very relevant research. And that is one form of output. But at the same time, we said, we, as, we, as we said, we also want to work with students. So we involve the students in our Germany lectures. So one innovation last year was that students from our study programs also interview the guest lectures. So it's like a mini podcast with the Germany lecture which I think worked very well and then also helps yeah, or to involve students. And of course, the Germany lectures are also open to the general public. And when we look at the Maastricht debate that we organized 2019, it was very important to involve the broader public and publics across Europe with our with our center and that that also make link making links with the province uh, and the Lambert's lecture was very important to also yeah make Srim or reach out to the province of Limburg and so on and so forth who also participated in the Maastricht debate so that is also very important with us so it's the outreach also locally and not yeah and to the students and to young people and again hopefully with this podcast series and some more innovations along these lines and our social media we can develop or bring or showcase also the research or translate maybe that's the better word translate uh, the the fantastic research that's done on Europe uh, at Maastricht University to translate this 
also for the general public and for a younger generation. Uh, that, that I see also as a, as a mission uh, for the future of Serum. Yes, of course, in the, in the following podcast episodes, we will be talking more deeply about the research done in, in Serum. But maybe a more broad question then, how do you like to see it come into fruition or manifestation in the real world? No, I think when you say the real world, <laughs> that's, yeah, where is that? What I think is very has been very important already since 2014 is indeed to have events such as this first ever European presidential debate, uh, such as the Maastricht debate, uh, to keep organizing these big public events because they have a lot of outreach, they involve citizens or so often directly and that's also something that we would like to do more in the future to organize for example if we do another Maastricht debate uh, for the next European elections for example that we can then also organize some citizen panels like has been done by Maastricht working on Europe now and to, to, to further build on this citizen dimension. So we had that I think already quite strongly in Serum since 2014. We developed it further Maastricht working on Europe uh, did as well, but to yeah also work on innovative activities to to involve citizens more by also for example social media or in the virtual uh, world if if you want and we also want to work with uh, high school students and that is also something that becomes more and more important. Uh, in the Jean Monnet funding of the European Union. That is something we would also like to do. And of course, continue excellence in research. I mean, that is, it is a research center after all. And what is also very important to me, since you ask, but also to my colleague and fellow uh, director of the center, to Andrea Ott, is to, to bring the research and our researchers to put our researchers in the spotlight. And as I said, that podcast series uh, here is, is, I think, a very important step to do so. I think that that really rounds up what we've been talking about. And that leaves us with our last finishing up segment called uh, Secondary Sources, where our listeners can jump into something we discussed and the interviewee can provide a form of media on any of the topics we discussed or something that they're currently researching. Would you have something to share with us for this segment? Well, I would say one of the, I think one of the research that is very interesting at the moment is, of course, on the, the Ukraine war, uh, the future of international liberal world order. And here I would say, have a look at the European uh, Research Council project by my colleague Hilke Dijkstra at the Faculty of Arts and Social Sciences. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting research on that particular theme. And then we have also published uh, articles very recently on the topic of Russia's invasion in Ukraine. And there I have some research from yeah, myself on the EU's response to the Russian invasion. Thank you very much. That's exactly what we wanted. And I guess I'll leave it to Cheryl to close out. And on that note, dear listeners, we come to the end of the first episode of Understanding Europe. All the mentioned research and secondary sources will be put in the description of this episode to stay updated you can follow Serim on its social media um underscore Serim on twitter and on instagram sign up for its newsletter Serim at masteruniversity.nl you can also look at their website for any news updates serim.masteruniversity.nl and don't forget about the 8th of november where Serim hosts its first Jean Monnet lecture for this academic year 
with Executive Vice President of the European Commission for a Europe Fit for the Digital Age and European Commissioner for Competition, Margrethe Vestager. And stay tuned for the upcoming episodes with Understanding Europe, but also other episodes from the MD. Thank you for listening. The music for the MD podcast episode has been produced by Stone Ocean. And this podcast episode has been produced, recorded, and edited by Brendan Hogan and yours truly, Sharal Abdullah. Talk to you soon. <laughs>